Today on the show, we have Oleg Skoda. He's the owner of Oilfield Strategic Solutions. They help service companies use AI ML to get better exploration of production results. Oleg, you were just telling yeah. me a great story about the opportunity to buy an oil field and how a client came to you with it. There was, a, it was an odd moment in my career when I was in, I was back and forth with in Congo and there was one of my clients he wanted, the, he was an older guy, an old French man. And he was about to retire and said, oh, I need to sell my oil field. It was a small oil field, 10 million, 10 to $15 million. And so for a year back and forth between London and Congo, I tried to find some buyers and couldn't find anyone. 10 million was too small. People are interested in 50 million oil field or hundred million, but 10 million was too small. And one day after, after I tried and tried after a year, he just came back to me and said, Wait, why can't you buy this oil field yourself? And I was like, yeah, sure. I got 10 million on the side. Yes. And, and, um, on the way back in the plane, I was thinking, yes, why not? And I put a team together, some veterans from the oil and gas. I, I went to the stock London stock exchange, found a, a shell company, and we basically raised the 10 million pounds on the stock exchange. We created the company and we went back to Congo about a year and a half later. And I bought the oil field and it became my own oil field for, it was an adventure that took about three years of my life. That was very interesting, but those things happen. Sometimes you don't plan and they just come to you. So, you know, it's. Uh, so how was it owning an oil field in the Congo? It was extremely interesting. I already had quite a bit of experience in, in Africa, of course, but it is very interesting because it's not just the pure operational and technical aspect of owning an oil field, the exploration, the operation, the drilling seismic, all this, it's the entire value chain of oil and gas. That means you find the oil, you drill for it, you explore for it. And then at the end, you end up with oil that you need to sell to the local refinery. So it was really interesting because I was not into one very specific part of the oil field. I was in all of it, the whole chain value chain, but also you end up dealing with the ministry when it comes to renewing the license, you need to sell to the local refinery, which is owned by the government. You have some audits from different people. You have to deal with contractors that sometimes know what they're doing. Sometimes I would say often don't know what they're doing. Local partners, local people in Congo, sometimes difficult to deal with, but you need to develop some experience in there. So it's certainly very much more complex, I'd say, than run something in the North Sea. But once I think it's much easier and it's, it works well, but it's an experience and the language is important because of course. They speak French over there and it's my mother tongue. I had some facilities working there for sure. What does the relationship look like with the local refinery there? It was, when I was working in there, the local refinery was the only place we could sell the oil. So you need to make good relationship when you, it's like here in the UK, you would be a dairy farmer and produce some milk. You need to have a good relationship with the milk factory down the road. Otherwise it can make your life very difficult. So the local refinery was owned by, by the government as well, the national company. And, uh, and we just had to basically sell, sell them the oil we were doing. So it was a pre-negotiated price based on the brand. So the price in the North Sea and it worked perfectly well. They were very happy to, to take our oil when we were delivering and it, it worked well. It's, it's a very good arrangement. It's very straightforward. Did you run into any, run into any major complexities complex. when you were getting the project set up? And running it? The complexity is to make sure that you are working with the people you want to work with. Sometimes they, I wouldn't say force you, but they tell you, you need to use that company or you need to use that provider. 
And I didn't want to make, to cut any corner and to use the one because it was known from the company or this. I wanted to use the best ones. When we arrived, they had a budget for drilling a well for $13 million. That was the cost of a well. And with my expertise in service company like Schlomerger and Bakehuse, I managed to redefine the well profile. And, uh, and with all these being said, the cost of a one that I planned to do was $6 million rather than 13. But I was using the providers that I wanted, which were better than the other ones, but they were cheaper because we were giving them very clear and very specific guidance to what to do and how to do it. Did you end up selling the oil field to somebody else when you left there? No, I left there because I, it was the difficulty of, of managing the company down there and having some shareholders here. But it's all, it's some of the directors conflict that we had at some point. And, and so I decided to, to basically leave, cashed in and left the company to, to other directors who ended up basically do what they want with the oil field. But a couple of years later, this oil field got back into the national company. This, it changed then a couple of times after I left. But that's just the life of small fields like this. But I mean, all in all, it's a very formative experience and certainly something that I learned every day when I was working in there. And it, it's extremely interesting, but it's also the people, the sharing, the, the experience working with, I had 25 local Congolese people working for me. There were only one or two international expats in the company. So it was, it was a, a, an interesting experience in there, but I loved every bit on it. There were some difficult ones, but it, it was a very interesting experience. So what does Oilfield Strategic Solutions do today? Today, this is my, this is my consulting services company where I advise people on how to use the best of AI, ML, artificial intelligence and machine learning to develop solutions to improve any part of the value chain in oil and gas. It could be the exploration, could be the production, it could be the financial, could be a refining. I'm an employee as well on, on a company where I am, I'm designing and helping companies to improve the carbon footprint, reducing the carbon footprint and optimizing the process. And it's more in the downstream, it's more in the refining world. And this is as well something that, that I'm doing. So I got some multi-cap opportunities here, but in, in my heart, I'm a petroleum engineer. I love oil and gas. I've done it for 25 years. We are stuck with oil and gas, whatever people say, we can't just stop it to do it better, a lot better for the environment. I do agree with that. But we are still very dependent on oil and gas. If we would stop it today, we couldn't do renewable. The renewable are relying on oil and gas. When you're building big windmill, when you're building PV, all the photovoltaic, when you're building all this chain of renewable, you need a lot of oil and gas for transportation, for bringing the components together, for manufacturing. They're relying on oil and gas. If we stop oil and gas today, there will be no manufacturing of batteries. There will be no no renewable value chain possible. So again, for the next 20 to 30 years, people need to realize and need to be educated that we will need oil and gas. We just need to do it better and more environmentally friendly. So what are some of the areas of improvement where you think we can really make it more effective and efficient? I think in the exploration can learn a lot from, from AI ML, which, which can help you to target a drill prospect much faster. That's one example, for instance, and get the well from design to production quicker. But we can also reduce the carbon footprint. When we need to drill for 
oil and gas, we can drill with six, seven wells, but if we can produce more oil with just two wells, the footprint will be a much less, it will be less environmentally, less of an environmental footprint, but also we can produce wells that will be more productive. So that's one, another example. But in the reduction of the carbon footprint, there's all sorts of initiative like a neutral carbon zero drilling rig, where the drilling rig is powered uh, with renewable energy. Or we can also think of reusing some of the gas that is being produced to produce the energy for the platform. There's all sorts of solutions that today are available for us. And it's, it is not easy because there's a lot of old oil rig and fleet of oil rigs. It's like when you're talking about sustainable aviation fuel today, the South, and people say, yeah, we need to use new aircrafts for sustainable aviation. Yes, but there's a fleet of aircraft that will never be able to take a lot of SAF in their tank. The percentage may be 10% and the rest will be normal kerosene. So when you think of jet fuel, when you think of all this, those planes will still need to fly. And we can't just change the fleet of Airbus and Boeing and this. Those planes will still need to fly. The new company like Etihad, and American Airlines, maybe they can afford to buy new planes. But all these old planes there, and I'm talking about planes that are 10 years old or something, they will end up going to Africa, going to, to Southeast Asia or to South America, where they will need to be used. So you can't really change. And this is a big issue today because you can't think all these things at this stage. It, it will take time. This is a 30-year transition, a two-year overnight switch. Exactly. So what would your advice be to entrepreneurs who have an amazing opportunity like you did with the oil field? And what should they look at to take advantage? Today, I think the, the entrepreneurs of today need to really change the way we used to do things in the past. Things are much faster today. The evolution is much faster. If you look at the data and the IT world, it's been going through tremendous changes in the last 10, 15 years when you're talking about cloud computing and cloud storage. You know, it used to cost a fortune and it was very difficult to put in place in years to, but it started to be there with Dropbox and Microsoft and one, and that today it's very common and it's very cheap. Today it's hybrid. So everything works so much faster today and it's so much more available. You can put a platform or data, you can acquire data and use this data in a much simpler way today. Do your own algorithm do your own models almost on, on your computer without too much computing power. Five, 10 years ago, it required a few data scientists to run some algorithm and to start putting something together. You can almost do it in the evening on your computer by yourself. So, uh, so to go to your question about entrepreneurs and what does it do for entrepreneurs, it, it really drastically changed the way you can take an ID into into a concept and from the concept into a realization and a new product. So I think the time is shortened, but it means you need to be agile, but it means as well that you can fail faster and failing is good. I think failing is part of the process and today you can fail faster. So you don't need two years of concept to just fall flat on your face and realize it was not such a great idea or it doesn't work. Today you can do it in two weeks or three weeks and realize, okay, no, let's go to the next MVP. And so you work. And I think that's been a big change in terms of, in terms of how entrepreneur should approach concept and problems. It's to go faster, to fail faster, and to step back and get to the next level, next, 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 until you got something that works. It's the same with oil and gas, lots of iteration, more iteration, quicker, and you can bring an oil field to first oil in a year and a half, where possibly 10 years ago, it, 
five years. It's the iterative process, fail, learn, and then evolve. Yeah. If our listeners wanted to get in touch with you or your company, how could they do it? They can, they can find me on LinkedIn. I think it's the way it's today LinkedIn and I'm not, I'm not sponsoring it, but it's probably the best way to, to learn, to know people and to find out what they did. So they can find me on LinkedIn. We can talk about solutions for oil and gas. We can talk about digital transformation for my clients. I worked with clients from, I was an expert in oil and gas with McKinsey and company. I worked with Fortune 500, but I worked with a very small company as well that needed some advice and some roadmaps in digital transformation. This is important. I think if you don't embrace digital transformation today, you're going to be outdated and sooner or later, the company will just be acquired or will lose its worth. So it's very important. So they can find me on LinkedIn and they can approach me for any discussion they want to have, any panel or podcast you, you may have. If you want to discuss it with me, I'll be more than happy to talk to you. Thank you, Oleg, for coming on the show. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Failing to Success. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki. Make sure to smash that like button and we'll see you next time.